To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song. You know my voice. It's Brooke. And joining me, as always, the man who has too much time on his hands, it's Mr. Don Moore. Yeah, we just had this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Brooke's really busy, and I'm the opposite. And one point I had was when I was busy all the time, I thought, you know, it must be really nice to have some free time. You could just get things done. (laughs) <laughs> now I do, and I find I'm the king of squandering everything. And I'm saying this with massive embarrassment, but nevertheless, it's the life I'm living. <laughs> uh, Don, you teased me before the show started that you have something that you really want to talk about, and you're killing me, man. I want to know what it is. I what, will, what is going on? I got you. Um, and as Rook knows, I never do anything directly, so I got a story to tell. I go, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, Rook and I both live in the Tampa Bay area, which encompasses a lot of space. There's a bay in between us. Anyway, St. Petersburg has never had a comic store. They've had them in the neighboring, you know, sometimes the neighboring areas. Usually, if you want to get comics, you had to go over Three Mile Bridge to Tampa, Florida, which it can be a drive. And, um, Anyway, St. Pete got a Nerd Out Comics, which is a big store in Tampa, opened a space here. I was happy about it. That's where I subscribe to. It's where I go. I got to know the, the woman that runs it, who's, you know, half of the marriage that runs Nerd Out Comics. And one thing she pointed out last time we talked on the show was the Tampa store is really busy. Uh, St. Pete store, not really. Anyway... I went there Monday to get my comics. I don't go off in maybe three weeks, a month. And she told me in January this month, the store is um, closing in St. Pete. It's just going to be the Tampa store, which wasn't a shock. I was kind of expecting that. So anyway, I was thinking there's two other stores in Tampa that I I like quite well. And I was thinking about subscribing with one of them because they're is closer than Nerd Out and an easier drive. And I've been going back for one is Yancey Street South. You know, Rook and I have been to, and the other one is Comics and stuff. And they're all good stores. I like them all. Anyway, when I got my comic, she said, I've got you another free comic from Vault. Beyond, Beyond Real. Reality. No, Beyond Real. Oh, be unreal. Um, see, my my brain filling in the blanks. Well, it, it's hard on the screen, too. Yeah, you filled it in, which we all do. Um, this is the first issue. It's um pretty robust, too. But <clears throat> it looks good. Nice. But nice. I told her we talked about that other, other book I got, and we liked it. And I was debating about that. What I like about this, it's a two-page spread. But the panel. Yeah, isn't it neat? Like, all right, so what is this, like the second, third page in the book? Yeah. 
so uh, like just to give the listeners an idea I'm, you'll be able to see this on the on the show on the website beautiful paneling design reading from left to right across the two-page spread that is absolutely gorgeous to yeah, look at four, four rows of panels and um and they do that a second time later this is the second third page oh and the third and fourth page does the same thing yeah um but the artwork you know it it can change Oh wow, yeah, that's a massive change to the art style. Yeah, it, it's still when I say that it's it's like reading Mobius. You know, Mobius could go from style to style. Yeah. You could always tell it was Mobius. And it's kind of the same way with this. <clears throat> but anyway, she had it. Now I noticed that the other comic, I, I apologize if you can't re- remember the name of it, but they had several a small stack in uh, new arrivals books, you know, bagged and boarded and priced. And when she got that, because I got another one for you. And okay, thanks. And I just put it in my pile. And like I said, I've been reading the books I normally read. And I thought, well, I need to read this one, you know. Um, I'm going to subscribe to this. I'm, I'm telling you now. Um, and when I, I was explaining to you about the store down here is closing. I've been going back and forth about. I'm not when I say this, I really like nerd out, but I was thinking, well, it'd be more convenient if I went to one of these other two locations. Well, reading this, I'm going to contact nerd out. I'm going to tell them I want to subscribe to this and I'll keep my subscription in Tampa. I'm going to go to nerd out because of this comic book. Um, I'm sure I could go to one of the other ones and get it, but I'm just doing it. Anyway, they said that Nerd Out has been doing, uh, not Nerd Out, uh, Vault Comics has been giving first issues to stores. I guess they give about 25 copies, and they tell the store you can do whatever you want. You can sell them as, as you want. You can give them to your subscribers, your customers, which is why they've been doing both. Right. Just to tell you a little bit about what they're saying in this, um, to me, I just talked about the artwork, but the story, it's basically about a man and a woman. It starts out there, I don't know, it reminds me of Los Angeles. I don't know if it is, but you're up on a, a ledge looking over the city at night. They're, on a, they're sitting on the hood of the car. They're talking. It's a man and woman, and they're, they're a couple. You know, I mean, they're pursuing a relationship. And... um. They're talking about perception. Um, this one is just, or is it just our perception that is messy? Maybe if we could see it all, we'd make more sense. She says, yeah, all the pain and problems in the world totally make sense. And then he says, everything on this rock, even the rock itself, is just fast-moving energy and matter. Electrons spin, neurons light up, rain falls down, Gravity, DNA, chemistry. She says, just because you have a, a TED talk. <laughs> it says, I'm just saying we're all made of trillions of cells following the functions of their paths. Why would only part of life be planned? Anyway, that's the big debate that's going on. Um, she's an artist. She's a visual artist. And he's, um, I don't know, uh, does lectures. He's in science. And basically they're talking about life you know how it is he's kind of seeing a plan she sees nothing but 
disjointed randomness, which I love that kind of stuff. And um, I, as I always talk about, I'm telling you some of the book, but it really changes uh, what goes on, what happens, and then it starts getting science fiction-y. Um, I'm really trying hard not to give anything away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Don, you, you've got me very interested. So, of course, I, I jump over to Vault Comics blog to uh, take a look at what, they're, what they have to say about this book. And I want to tell you, listen to this. In September, Vault offered Christopher Yost and Val Rodriguez's comic, Unnatural Order Number 1, using the free-to-retailer model and the smash hit book received over 130,000 orders, making it one of the highest ordered comic books in the past 10 years. That was for unnatural order number one. So they figured why not try it again with beyond real. And obviously it's working because you've got that first issue in your hand and you're already fascinated by this book and ready to take a ride on this series. Now, when I say this, there's a lot of comic books I like, and I mean, I I enjoy them. I can't wait to get them. I read them. But it's been a long time since I've gotten a new comic, and I felt like I did, you know, when we read Dark Knight, you know, I mean, way back. Um, there are certain comics you used to pick up, and you're like, Mobius is the inkle. Yeah, it just blows your mind. This is one of them. I was reading this and I, I felt elated. I, I felt an elation that I haven't felt in a long time. And seeing this, comics are my favorite thing in the world. And I'm not complaining. I mean, when I, I pick up my books, I really enjoy reading the books that I've got. Uh, sometimes I get new books I haven't heard of, dollar boxes and stuff. But this one, this was like reading Love and Rockets for the first time. I mean, I, I, it's a that's a high praise to me, but just the back of the, the cover, I'll read that. It says, um, when struggling artist June and is injured in a severe car accident that leaves her boyfriend in a coma. See, I wasn't going to tell you any of this stuff. <laughs> she begins to experience strange visual phenomena. Soon, she's able to see that we are all actually living in a computer simulation. June must set out on a journey of possibility and peril into the metal metaphysical layering of the simulation to reach the world's creator and save her true love from death. Um, this is alluded to in this first story, and I'm amazed. I'm really amazed at how the artist pulled this off. Now, come to find out, this isn't on the cover. It's got five names, and I think, you know, sometimes that's the letterer and stuff. Um, right here on this first issue, it has the writer, Zach Kaplan, and the the two artists, which I, I apologize, I know I'm going to say your names wrong, Fabiana Mascolo and Tony Pezula. I'm going to say it's got a J in it, but I'm hoping that's a Spanish J. It's got two colorists, uh, Jordi Belair, of course, because she colors everything. <laughs> and then Tony Fazula, which is the one that has got a J. Hopefully, it's a Spanish J. And Hassan Atsman Elejo is the letterer. Anyway, I looked this up after I read the book, and it was talking about um 
there's a bunch of artists. It's just not these two. Um, so I don't, and they're basically saying how they're all working in unison. I guess some work on parts and it's not just like one does one issue. I guess they're, it sounds kind of like Blitmap when they have all these different working parts. And I said, this sounds like you're making comics by committee, but it's really nice. Um, yeah. But this one, I don't know. It's incredible, but there's not a weak spot in it. The architecture, how they go through at one point when she starts, again, I'm trying not to mess anything up, but, you know, say the computer simulation. She's in the real world. Architecture is really strong. But she's in color, drawn like she normally is. But she walks out of that, and she's basically um, it looks like um, it looks like an architecture pencil drawing in colored pencils, just lines. I go, well, how do they pull it off? And I mean, you're reading this just rapidly, like you're watching the Matrix movie, and all this stuff is popping in, and there wasn't one weak spot in it, story or or visuals. And um, so nevertheless, I'm confident. You you mentioned the idea of the matrix in it and stuff, but um, from what I was seeing in the pages that you're showing, it doesn't use that like the matrix. No, the matrix used kind of a um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, kind of an off-putting black and green to it. Yes, um, this green. had very ethereal uh, purples and lavenders and and just violet colors you know um very otherworldly very um uh, almost like Feywild for the uh, for the D, D players out there <laughs> well, that's a good description it's also very soft i mean yeah cool it's it looks like a comfortable place to be and the woman yeah. you know the woman wears a lot of head scarves she's well she's an artist she's got a kind of a a soft comfortable feel to her but yeah. just really draw kind of like vibe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even the men, when they're talking on that ledge, you know, just talking, you know, I hate to use this description, but he kind of comes across as an absent-minded college professor. You know, when he's talking at one point, he takes both of his hands and just pulls his hair back and then lets it go. I mean, just human things. But when you see The Matrix, I want to say this, I like The Matrix, but it is, it's a lot of black leather and lime green light you know yeah. which this one they're not copying it's just the i would say matrix because sometimes it's a conceptual thing you know and it's um you know when the matrix first came out i thought it was a martial arts film <laughs> and then um i was in california my nephew had the dvd and we're watching it wait a minute what you know a neo you know goes on that website and makes the call what am I watching? <laughs> and then my instructor, I guess he thought the same thing. He got a VCR DVD player. Somebody lent him the movie, so he was excited, thinking it was martial arts. And he came back just stone-faced, done. It's science fiction. I don't like science fiction. Well, but yeah, that, when The Matrix first came out, there was nothing like it. You, you know, now it's 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 a noun. <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think on its concept level, the the reality as a simulation, uh, I mean, it wasn't completely an original idea. Yeah. Uh, I think the way they went about it was different and original, um, you know, but it's 
but like I was saying, it was it's kind of off-putting with its with its lime green lighting and blackness and you know dystopianism. Uh, where what I'm seeing in this book is is it's almost dreamlike. Yeah, uh, it's almost ethereal. Yeah, and welcome. And you wouldn't mind being in a place like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say too about Vault. You know, I, I talk about that book, Wasted Space. As a matter of fact, um, I was talking to the woman at Nerd Out, and I, you know, I've whined a few times about it that I found three issues in the dollar boxes and I can't find them. And I tried to order them online. And she said, uh, if you talk to, you know, the store about the trades, this is no, they have five trades. There's 25 issues. I've been able to find some of the trades online, but like one or two. You know, I says I've never seen anything like this in the world we're living in now. That a, a, a recent book is so hard to get. But she said you might tell your local your, your your local comic shop, and they might be able to order the trades for you. She says Diamond sometimes has a bunch sitting around. So anyway, I said, yeah. Well, could you? Yeah, we can. You want all all the trades? Yeah. So I'm praying to God that I don't get five trades at once. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, oh no uh, i didn't expect to spend this much money today <laughs> well yeah i want to hope i have that much pocket money that day <laughs> but um first world problems but um so anyway yeah this book but one thing about vault wasted space as i just mentioned the artwork is incredible but the design i mean just they have um I, I hate to use the word, but a house style. I mean, you can see it's a vault book, but just the title design, mm-hmm. how they put together. And then when you open it up, you know, it's got the inside page. You know, it's kind of nicely designed and decorated. The artwork goes to it, but all the way through, you know, um, the back cover with that blurb I just read to you. Yep. Um, the ads... It's just, it's mostly story, but they have some house ads for some of their other books. But, I mean, nice-looking work. And I'm happy that that one book you just read about sold so much because I found three issues of a a vault book that I really like in a dollar box. And then I've gotten two free ones, uh, which I'm thankful for. But, you know, when I was at one shop and I was looking for them, I asked one of the guys in the shop, he goes, oh, we don't order from that publisher. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, of course, not everybody orders from every publisher. I've never heard of this publisher. But turns out, I guess other people do. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, well, you know, looking at Vault's catalog, they have some absolutely fantastic looking books. And they've they've worked with some great creators. I mean, Donnie Cates, Tim Seeley, um, you know, a just to name some of the big names that, you know, people would recognize and everything. Um, going through some of their catalog right now, there's a there's a book called Heathen. Uh, very interested in that. That sounds fascinating to me. Um, uh, I, I'm, you know, I love finding these smaller publishing groups. And what, you know, what I find interesting about Vault is what we talked about last time is that this is two brothers and a cousin that started this company. Um, you know, they're definitely doing doing some wild stuff. You know, these these issue one giveaways obviously are working fantastic for them. Uh, yeah. You know, 
and it's 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 worked here because i mean look at us we're talking about them we're we're talking about this book how beautiful the artwork is and the design style is and you're already like you're ready to go out of your way to a comic book shop just so you can make sure you keep getting this book well that's that's the point absolutely but you know the book we talked about the last time um i can't remember the title but you liked it I liked it, and even though it's not really the type of book I always read, I was still interested in getting it. I thought about it for a long time. I decided not to, but it wasn't a quick no, and I'm still kind of – it's one of those books I I probably wouldn't subscribe to, but if I saw it on the stand, I might buy it. (laughs) You know, sometimes you just say, well, I I liked it. I might read one. I just don't want to, you know, commit to buying 12 to 24 to 48 issues or something. You know, but yeah. this one, Beyond Real, I, I want to, like I said, I can't tell you how much fun I had reading this thing. And it works on so many levels. And just just the, the dialogue. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these nerds that I'll have a library book and I'm reading you know, a novel and I'll get my sketchbook out. And my daughter was saying, you're acting like a crazy man because I was writing whole paragraphs in my sketchbook in between doodles just because I wanted to remember what they said, you know, philosophy, you know, you know, systems of thought. And this one, I think, God, this is something to write down. You know, um, besides just being a nice story, it had a lot of things to think about and do. And, you know, they're talking about their struggles in life as all people do. You know, um, nobody's got a perfect life. And I, I just thought, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I really, I really enjoyed myself, and I thought, you know, I am going to stay with Nerd Out. I'm, I'm going to drive further. Um, one thing about Tampa, I I two seventy five runs through St. Petersburg and Tampa, and if you're in California or Oklahoma City, there's a lot of different highway systems, and you jump on one and you jump on another one to go the other way. Two seventy five goes north to south. And you get to, okay, I'm here. And then you get off on some side road, you know, Dale, Mabry, Hillsboro, and you drive forever. Out and the next thing you know, you start hearing banjos, you know, you start seeing, you know, wild animals, and you're still driving to your destination. Oh, God, it just takes you forever. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how this drive is. It's just not off the highway like, you know, the other two stores are. But nevertheless, uh, a comic I never heard of that I got for free, and I'm I'm going to do that. So, heck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating. I'm sitting here. I'm I'm going through Vault's uh, <laughs> shop, uh, just just offhand, like the heathen the heathen book that I mentioned. Yeah. The complete series. Is twenty four dollars. It's a three volume series. Twenty four bucks. That's you know, that's a great price. One thing, and these these books they're printed nice, they're packaged nice, they're just sweet. But um, waste of space. Like I said, I found them in a dollar box. But when I look up the issues that most of them I can't get, and they had the trades, it seemed to me like you could get the five trades, and I joke about all at the same time. Usually trades are about $20, $20 $24. You, you add that up five times, quite a bit of 
quite a bit of payout, but really that's not much for what you're getting. Um, in Waste of Space, I was reading online, the writer that created the series was talking about them. He was thankful to Walt Vault Comics that they let them finish and they let the same creative team finish their 25 issues. Yeah. And um, which it, it, to me, that's a, that's the deal right there. Cause I like, if I like a creative team, I like them to stay on it. How many books that we both like that, you know, even with mainstream publishers, Marvel or DC or something, it's not selling well. The creative team leaves, they get another creative team. They, they have fill in issues. It spoils the book, but it sounded like it really wasn't selling enough, but they kept the thing and finished it, uh, which I guess explains why it's hard to get now. But I don't know. I, I like the, I like the work they're doing and um, it doesn't seem like it's a it seemed like they're thinking long term. Um, yeah, giving books out for free, letting people read them, and also telling the retailers you can sell them, you can give them away, whatever you want to do, they're yours. That's kind of a bonus, you know, that you don't have to pay for the books and you can sell them. But nevertheless, um, they got me. <laughs> they got me, dang it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not complaining. It's, I, I, like I said, I was really. The eight-year-old kid just jumped out of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what it feels like. Um, I get comics I love all the time. Uh, the Cliff Chain comics, the Wonder Woman and the Catwoman Lonely series, those are two that really made me feel excited. But yeah. this one is a different kind of animal, and it's it's not an old property. It's something new, and I just immediately got hooked in it. I want more, so... You know, that's fantastic to find a completely original story, yeah. con- concept, uh, characters <laughs> that aren't in a main, main, main uh, storyline, something totally different from a from a newer publisher and yeah. make, to give you that feeling. That's absolutely fantastic. That really is. When I'm reading this, it's one thing I kept thinking about, and you and I talk about this a lot in bookstores. I think a lot of people would like to read comics if you had the comic in the sections with the regular books that about the material. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, the, the young adult, young preteen, there's a lot of comics. There. Everybody talks about Raina Talgemeyer, who I'm not familiar with, but she's a big selling artist. But um, it's in the books for that audience. A lot of times the stuff we like is just all put together and, the graphic novel section, which I'm happy it's there, but it's a mess. I mean, it's just a hodgepodge mess. You know? Yeah, it is. You know, and if you look at the manga section, it's really nice and uniform. You know, they're all the same size. I'm not saying I want all the books the same size because they're not, and I like that. But it's just, it's a big mess if you go in any big bookstore and you look at the graphic novel section, and a lot of it is flooded with you know, the greatest Batman stories ever told, which um, I'm sure those are good. But sometimes if you're not into superhero comics, you go in a section, that's what you see. You know, you're not seeing, you're not seeing stuff that pique your interest. This one right here, I could see if this is finished and in trades. Somebody likes, you know, certain types of stories. They see this, oh, this is something I might like. You know, um, it wasn't a superhero comic. You read it and you're thinking this is something 
you know, people go see movies all the time, um, A Wrinkle in Time, stuff like that, and um, it piques your interest. This is like that. This is one that it, it could, if, if it was sold in the right place and marked in the right place, it could get a lot of people that aren't comic readers read it and enjoy it and appreciate it, you know. Yeah. But, well, and, you know, uh, when we come back from the break, that's actually a subject I want to talk about. But for right now, let's take a music break. You got it. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on the Cyclops. True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, 
or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. All right. That was Steve Robinson and Ed Wattel. We played them separately, and they played together. It's what you just heard now. Um, we'll have a link to the Bandcamp page if you'd like to hear more. Thank you, guys. All right. And now Rook has a train of thought. That he's I have a train. You know, we, we're talking about this book, and, you know, it, you mentioned it's not a superhero comic book and, you know, and the placement of it where you get more eyes on it and readers and everything. Here's something that, you know, I, we've had guests in the past talk about this, but, you know, I, I want to dive a little into it. Comic books is not a genre. It's a medium. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we talk about this, uh, you know, with with different people and we've had guests mention it. But let's talk about this for a second, about how comic books are more than just a genre. Everybody, everybody, when you say, oh, I'm a comic book reader, everybody immediately pictures spandex and capes yeah. right away. Well, what, and it's an easy thing to do. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. And I mean, you know. I'd be fascinated to talk to people who got into comic books, who got interested in comic books, not starting with superheroes, not starting with spandex and capes, uh, you know, who started reading comic books because of stories like this, you know, um, questioning reality, um, existential thoughts and ideas, you know, things that were not seen on a comic book shelf typically and seen as something completely different in in the medium that is comic books uh you know uh, obviously we all we all dive into comic books uh at some point or another uh that's why we were we're sitting here talking about it but you know as a medium the most popular genre inside the medium is superhero comics. Uh, but I, I really think that now more than ever, we're starting to see so many different genres of comic books. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's interesting that, you know, here you are, uh, you talk about your, your, your normal read, your normal pull list is just give, give us a quick rundown of like the top five on your normal pull list. Um, when they come out, Usagi Jimbo, Gru, and Love and Rockets, which I've been reading since the 80s. Uh, yeah. And lately there's been um, Danger Street, which just finished, Kaya, which we've talked about on the show, um, which are fairly recent comics I've been reading. Um, that's basically it. And sometimes a random issue here and there is something I catch. Yeah. So, like, all right, so let's just go. Uh, Usagi Jimbo, you mentioned first. Yeah. Okay. That's an action adventure comic. Definitely, definitely something that we see serialized uh, in a lot of different comic books. You know, action adventure stuff. Okay. What, what was the second one? Uh, Gru, Gru the Wanderer. Again, action adventure comic book. Uh, Gru, wonderful character, just like Usagi. You know, wandering the world, solving problems, action adventure. But then we get to number three on your pull list. That was? Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. Let's think about Love and Rockets for a second. I mean, you said you've been reading it since the 80s. Love and Rockets, when now that I'm now that I think about it for a minute, I think Love and Rockets was the first comic book that I can recall 
not superhero action adventure related. It, in the early issues, it did. I mean, it had everything because it always had Maggie and Hopi, but the, the stories Jaime did, Maggie and Hopi was the two different types. The first one, it was mechanics, and even though they had a small apartment they were living in, she was, I think they call them pro-solar mechanics, where they basically worked on spacecraft, robots, all that stuff. So there right. was a thing of fan, you know, fantasy to it. But then in the same issue that have low cost, the same two girls, but they're living in a, a barrio out in California. Right. And listening to punk rock and dealing with all the stuff going on in the neighborhood. Um, but Jaime would always have superheroes, female wrestlers, spaceships, you know, that kind of stuff in it. It slowly kind of diminished. It's, you know, real stories. Um, Gilbert. His, he had all that stuff too. He'd always have the, the, the big monsters, you know, Jack Kirby kind of monsters, that kind of stuff. But he would tell all those stories about Palomar, you know, that, that South American place or Central American city or town. But yeah, it, they went from one scope to the other. But again, they were comic book guys, so they sprinkle it with things they like from comics. Um, and all three of those books I just mentioned, I've been reading since the 80s. And even though Sergio Ortega said that's kind of sad if you don't move on. <laughs> but, <I can't. laughs> but Scott Connor and I had this conversation because I still see Gru and Yasagi Jimbo and Love and Rockets as a superhero comic. And Scott said they're not. And he is correct. But, you know, Gru has a sword. Even though he's stupid, he's really good with a sword. You know, Conan comics, they were Marvel comics. You know, even though he's not a superhero, they were fantastic. That's what I was liked about comics was it had. I, I didn't really make any differential um, differentiate like Ray Harry Austin movies like Sinbad, you know, uh, Jason, the Argonauts. Mm -hmm. It was still fantastic. You know, they had fantastic creatures, guys with swords, fighting skeletons. I mean. Yeah. You no, know, Superman and Batman would fit in really good with these. You know? yeah. <laughs> so let, let's think about comics for a second as you know people say comic books and the first vision first thought that pops in their head visually is superheroes. Yeah. Yes. But one of the most powerful comic books I've ever read was Mouse. Yes. And if you've never if you've never read Mouse, uh, you need to go read it. Um, it it's actually uh, I believe it's one of the books that uh, some people are trying to ban now. Yeah, uh, ridiculous. No, um, uh, in school libraries, not in regular libraries. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I will point that out. Yeah, but you know when you look at stories like Mouse, uh, you start to look at other other stories as well. I mean, comic books. Um, span generations now they span you know uh different different uh different genres across all kinds of different things from science fiction to uh interpersonal storytelling to uh historical historical to historical fiction you know uh, i mean it is comic books have become a juggernaut yeah. In the world, as far as delivering information, delivering stories and ideas, and I, you know, 
I'm going to say this, and people will argue this with me. We are living in a new golden age of comic books, in my opinion. I say this because we are seeing so many people creating with the medium of comic books that you would have never thought some of these stories would appear as comic books back 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. Now, it's it really is a new golden age for us right now uh, between, you know, small time publishers, um, indie publishers, self publishers. You know, this is we're living in a new golden age of comic books. And uh, I really think that, you know, people like vault comic books uh, are creating a new renaissance for the comic book industry. There's, I like the fact there's a lot of different kinds of comics. Um, my issue is a lot of times you can't find them in the stores. And I, I'm saying this, I'm not a, a retailer. I, I can't imagine the nightmare, especially in the area I live in. You know, the Valerian comics, everybody listening to the show knows are my favorites. I, I found them in comic stores in the 80s. I did four issues in English. Um, and an English company has put out all the all 23 volumes of it. I bought those, and then I bought the hardbacks again. And um, I've yet to see those in any comic store. I've ordered them online. Um, Mark Trey out of Louisiana said he's found them in Barnes and Noble. Uh, okay, I've never seen them in ours, but <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. There's a lot of different comics that people might be interested in that. They just don't sell around here. Um, and even though there's a lot of different kinds of comics, you go in a comic store, primarily it's superhero comics. And I'm saying this, I buy them. I still like some of them. I'm not dissing on it, but I'm just saying every time I hear people talk about comics that matured and stuff, and they have, uh, compared to what you could get in the 70s and early 80s, it's a plethora of stuff. But you may not be able to find it in any store around you because it's going to be primarily what they say sells and it's superhero comics to the, the store going audience. That's to the, the general audience. public, a comic yeah. book shop is for superhero comics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the, the genre of comics itself is widespread and, and expanding further and further all the time. Right. I mean, you know, uh, look at writers uh, like R. Allen Brooks, you know, yeah. absolutely fantastic story work, um, you know, talking about uh, various things uh, from social justice, racism, body dysmorphia. Um, look at people like Oneshi, who I mean, could go. I don't think Oneshi would stop at talking about anything in their books. I mean, yeah. they really they publish so many different varied ideas and concepts um you know vault comics uh, like we've just been talking about on this show uh fantastic thought-provoking comic books like the like this one beyond real uh you know the 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 reason i say it's a golden age of comics not comic book shops is because you can get these books 
in your hands. You got to do a little hunting. You got to do a little finding. You know, a lot of times you can order directly from the publishers or the creators. Yes. yes. But no matter what you are interested in, you can find that in a comic book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's something I was listening to. Um, I, I can't remember exactly which podcast I was listening to, but they had some creators talking about there's a lot of comic books out, but the audience isn't really there. You know, the audience is basically the same size audience or has shrunk, but everything spreads out. So you're not getting people buying. Well, say Watchmen and Dark Knight, massive sellers. It's one of those universal things everybody read and everybody liked. You're not seeing stuff like that. And even if a comic is, say, popular, it's very small numbers compared to before. Um, the thing is, I think, if you can keep those comics out for the long run, if you're thinking long term, eventually it's going to catch up to an audience and people are going to read it. Um, to me, an ideal world would be you could go in the shop and find some of these books you want. You know, um, a lot of times, if you go into uh, well, when Borders around in Barnes and Noble, they keep sometimes it seems to me like some of those books are there forever and a day, but at other times they have them on a sale for five, ten bucks, you know, fifty dollar books. Well, yeah. I may be happy if it's one I want to get, but. I'm thinking, why, you know, they don't, they don't let some books sit on anywhere to grow an audience. You know, it's just wham, bam. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's the retail market. The the retail market, unfortunately, is, is not designed for stocking books that are five, 10 years old, uh, waiting for someone new to discover it. Um, you know, uh, We'll talk for a second about a, uh, a particular comic book shop that I recently went into that I hadn't been into in a long time uh, that used to have an absolutely amazing, more indie styled section stuff that, you know, not your common reader would pick up, not your not your comic, not your common comic book shop customer would be picking up they used to have a fantastic section of those kind of books uh but they also had a staff at that time uh that was like hey what are you interested in oh hey i noticed this pin on your jacket or i noticed your t-shirt have you ever read this you know and they used to be able to push those books and, and make you interested in them and I picked up a lot of books. I mean, hell, I'll, uh, this book right here, Black Magic, yeah. would have never caught my eye. But one of the people that worked at that shop mentioned it to me and gave me a quick synopsis. And I went, huh, sounds interesting. Let me grab that, you know. Um, and that's that's where I think a good comic book staff comes in, you know, people yeah. who are readers that read different genres of comic books you know if if your main focus and your only only focus in comic books is superheroes and tights and capes great okay but you know i i'm not i'm not tights and capes all the time every single time anymore you know um i'm i'm looking for the more human stories you know, maybe wrapped in a little bit of like, you know, 
fantasy, science fiction, maybe even a little bit of superhero rapping to it. But it's human interest stories. It's it's the people. It's, you know, um, let's talk about, you know, neurodivergency in 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 the wrappings of, you know, a superhero. Um, Marvel has tried it with Century. Uh, they, they, they've tried, uh, Century is, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Century is kind of like Marvel's Superman and he suffers from a lot of, uh, of, of mental state, uh, disorders. Um, I think at one point, uh, he, he was even like agoraphobic, wouldn't even go outside, you know, think Uh about that. Superman unable to go outside and not, not, you know, couldn't fight the bad guys, you know. Um, I don't think it's stuck, you know, because I think it was the wrong. I think it was the wrong audience for that. But the audience for that is out there. I know it is. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when you're just talking about superheroes, they can still tell human stories and the one that gets me remember that cartoon robotech from the early 80s oh yeah yeah my my high school english teacher wrote me when i was in the navy you know she was a great teacher we became friends and the military is a lonely existence and i remember i was overseas and i'd get letters from her i'd write her back she had two young sons and she knew, you know, I like comic books, I like, you know, cartoons, all this stuff. And one time she was asking me if I had ever, I had heard of the cartoon Robotech. I wasn't around the TV to watch it, but I'd read about it. And because um, Kamiko was going to start doing a Robotech comic book, that's I'd read about it in trade magazines. But she was writing, her sons loved that. And she said, they're really good human stories. I remember she said that. And when I was back in the United States and I was had access to television, I did, you know, I'd watch them hodgepodge. But she's right. They were human stories, even though it was about space aircraft carriers and robot suits and super planes. And, you know, I want to go on a tangent. That new Godzilla movie came from Japan, Godzilla Minus One. Oh, I've heard so much. Everybody is raving about this. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen it. Um, Holly and I went to see it. Um, The stories you heard are all true. Really? The movie is incredible. As a matter of fact, Holly went to see it a second time. Um, It's... I'm going to go out and say it was the greatest Godzilla film I've ever seen. And that's saying something because I love Godzilla. And I love the MonsterVerse Godzillas they've been doing. You know, Godzilla versus Kong, Kong Skull Island, all that stuff. But this one was something, and it really shows you. It starts off right before Japan surrenders when they're sending out the kamikaze pilots. But you see how desperate it is. And then when they go back to Tokyo, you know, I'd always heard about how bombed out in Japan was. A lot of people that I worked for in the Navy dislike going to Japan. And they said in the beginning, you know, some of these guys had been in the Navy in the 50s. They said we went there a lot to help their economy because it was burned out. They were trying to help. It's kind of odd now because, you know, Japan's such a financial juggernaut. But they, um, 
but it shows basically how desperate Japan is. And you're following, you're following different characters. It starts out with a pilot and then the mechanic, the pilot knows. And then when he goes back to Japan, he starts meeting people, some were neighbors, they're all bitter, they're all this and that. But just how desperate it is. And Godzilla is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. I mean, you, you always, you know, Godzilla destroys it. This one, it's scary. Um, and there's, there's a lot of human elements in that film. I, I can't say enough about it. I mean, I say this, it's saying it's the greatest Godzilla film I've ever seen is saying a lot because, you know, but I am saying that. But my favorite part of the movie, Godzilla, nothing's working. You're trying to figure out the government and they bring it up. The government's not helping. What the government comes up with isn't helping. And so they get together with a bunch of um, guys from, that were in the military that served in the war. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Japan's main admiral, one of their main admirals, he's there, and they're all shocked. And to me, as soon as they see him, they all stand up straighter, you know, and he's speaking. But he says, this is us. This isn't the government. This, we have to do it. And he says, you've gone through a lot. And they did go through a lot. It was a world war, you know. And he said, um, I'm asking you to do it again. And he basically started explaining Well, <clears throat> he was talking about what they're going to do and why, but it was up to them. And then some of the men got up and they said, we've already done that. I have family I have to think about. And they got bitter and turned around and walked out. But one thing the Admiral said before these men walked out, he said, we can't just throw bodies at it. And what he brought about was that their tanks weren't adequately armored. The, the jet planes didn't have ejector seats. They weren't looking at the people. They were throwing people at, at all the issues, just disposable. He said, we're not, we can't look at the, the people that make up the, their country. Like I said, some of the men said, no, you know, we, I've had enough. I got a family and they left. And rightly so. I mean, you got to think of your family. He was disheartened, but then as to my favorite part, after that happened, some of the men were still there, and one man stood up and goes, "Let's, we have to do it. Let's do it." And then all the men, you know, basically, it's not something they wanted to do, but they were there. Somebody's got to do it. It's got to be us. Yeah. And then it shows what he did. I'll tell you, I, I cried three times in that film. So did Holly. When the movie was finished, I had tears streaming down my face, which you don't really want people to see. And when I got up, everybody in the theater, and it was a crowded theater, everybody was the same way. It didn't matter if you're a child, old man, woman, everybody had tears going down their face. It's, if you have a chance to see it, it's, it's just, but it's, it's a very human story. And um, you really care for the characters around you. And uh, it's it, on so many levels. You could probably see the movie 80 times and still see something different or several things that you didn't notice before. So anyway. That's fantastic, man. Um, what a way to end a show. Uh, 
you know, Godzilla minus one. Uh, uh, you have just echoed sentiments that I've heard from many, many people. So we're going to leave you with this. Go check out Godzilla minus one. Get back to us. Tell us what you guys think about it. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, it's um, like I went just because it was Godzilla and I, I was shocked at what I saw. And then I posted it on Facebook. I went on and everybody I've talked to has said, that's all I hear is great things about it. And then when they do see it, they say the same thing. I, I'm i sure there's people out there didn't like it, but nevertheless, I liked it. All right. Well, if you can draw and like to draw and you wouldn't mind helping us out, we use fake comic book covers for the Facebook page and Facebook group. I can reformat them to fit the comic cover. Uh, you can look at the cover gallery and see. We can't pay you for it. It'd be yours to own. And if you allow us to, we'll put it on a cover gallery. A lot of people like these. Uh, like today, we have a music spotlight. If you got something on MP3 you'd like us to play, we would really appreciate it. Um, Rook always gets upset me because I keep playing the same artist over and over again. Not because I want to, because I have to. And on the sidebar of the blog, we have t-shirts. It's just to help us with the hosting fees. We have three different designs. Listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Everybody, go to bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You're going to see things we talked about on this show and all of our previous episodes. Until next time, everybody. Read. More. Comic. Hey, everybody. Quick bookend to the episode. Don had one more thing to say. Happy New Year, everybody. You're listening to this in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for hanging out with us all these years. We look forward to another amazing year with all of you. Thanks, everybody. 